Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking again with life coach and fitness professional Meg Ellis with Phoenix 8 Consulting. Today we're talking about maybe pursuing wholeness rather than pursuing happiness to live in our fullest aliveness and authenticity. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And I'm joined today again with my regular guest, Coach Meg Ellis. Hi, Meg. Hey, Dr. Susan. It's so good to be back. I just always love every time we get to do this together. So this is the fourth time you've been on this podcast. I think Mm -hmm. we're just going to have you back every month because we keep having really cool things to talk about. (laughs) So I'm sure a lot of people have heard the last three episodes we talked about resistance, trust, and fear, which sounds sort of dark and scary, but it really wasn't. And then we talked about how to get what you want. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. Who doesn't want to know that? And then we talked about how to be unconditionally confident, which is super cool. And today we're going to talk about something even more interesting and, and sometimes sounds kind of scary and dark, but we're going to challenge this idea of the pursuit of happiness that is obviously one of the sort of founding aspects of our culture and talk instead about a different concept, which is the pursuit of wholeness. Mm. Mm. So that sounds kind of deep. It sounds scary at first, especially um, for someone who who chases happiness constantly. Well, our culture is set up that way, right? We're buying new things. Like the economy is based on chasing happiness. We get a new car, new, I got my hair done today. I just got back from a trip to Italy where I went shopping and bought a whole bunch of things. You know, frantic pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Immediate, immediate gratitude. Yeah, so I'm all in that. I live here. I love it. It's wonderful. But ultimately doesn't lead us to a fully alive life, right? So let's talk about Mm -hmm. that. Like what, what is... What does that mean to you, like living in wholeness? Living in wholeness. Um, you know, especially as an Enneagram 7, someone who who does constantly chase shiny objects. You know, if you're not <laughs> yeah. familiar with the Enneagram, it's a personality test. And me and Dr. Susan have talked about this in the past where um, there's different personality traits for each person. And, and we can get into that a little bit later. But my personality constantly does chase happiness, that shiny object. Like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And what... I think where the misalignment is chasing happiness doesn't necessarily mean chasing fulfillment, chasing wholeness. Whereas happiness, it's more of a temporary, immediate gratitude type of feeling. But really what is more important and what's deeper connection for us is chasing wholeness, Mm. being fulfilled truly, deeply, long-term so wholeness, um, and we've been talking about this for a bit offline, um, wholeness includes a bunch of stuff that we don't necessarily want to look at. Mm-hmm. So when you start this process of self-awareness and looking at yourself, it's not all going to be pretty. We've got to look at the stuff that's fun and light and exciting and shiny. And we've also got to look at some stuff that feels pretty uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. grief, and pain, loss, regret, anger, frustration, jealousy, all the stuff that doesn't guilt, feel good. Shame. <laughs> but who wants to look at that stuff? That doesn't sound fun. Mm-hmm. So- it's not. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not it fun. is not, but it is very important. Yeah. So Meg and I know, because I've been talking to her about it, that I have actually started a relatively new practice lately of sitting in discomfort. 
and I've been a student of meditation for many, many years. And so sitting in discomfort is part of the training. But uh, to be honest, I haven't really been comfortable sitting in discomfort very much. I've been jumping from one thing to another and trying to jump over the discomfort mm-hmm. whenever possible, like most humans. Uh, but lately, this practice of sitting in discomfort has really opened my life up to a whole new dimension of fullness. So I can share some of those stories with everyone. You know, how does this work to accept your whole self? Because one saying I love is that, you know, life is 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, which it is. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to focus on the sorrows, right? Because that doesn't feel comfortable. We just want to stay happy and light and fun and not talk about that stuff because we're not conditioned as children to really do that, right? I mean, yes, it, it it even links into adulthood and what we live in now is this mindset of comparison. You know, everyone has their highlight reel to show. You know, I'm not talking about death or debt or anything that's going to not make me feel happy and good. And I equate that to, oh, I'm feeling whole because no, I'm talking about all these amazing things that I'm doing in life. You know, I just went on this trip. I just bought this. This is what's going really great in my life. But that's really in its entirety, not wholeness, you know, and um, you're right. We do learn that as a, as a kid, you Mm -hmm. know, I was taught don't, don't cry. Don't cry. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Shh, shh, shh. Right. Here, have some candy. Don't cry. Distractions. Or, you know, don't. We didn't have any tolerance in my family for any uncomfortable emotions. Oh, we didn't no. talk about anything that was sad or painful or we just uncomfortable. everything was <laughs> Swept fine. it under the right. rug and you never looked under there, you know. Yeah. But um, I know one phrase, I don't, I don't know if you grew up with the same phrase, but my dad would always say, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that means, but it's scary. Ouch. So now I'm sad and scared, but right. you well, know, why can't I cry? Yeah. Well, so I think that way of thinking sounds like it's possibly acceptable to cry about physical pain, right? Because I'll mm-hmm. give you something to cry about, smack you upside the head. But it's definitely not okay to cry about emotional pain because mm-hmm. we're, we're trained to just push that down not let those emotions show. And just, mm-hmm. um, I had a very, my parents had a British background, so it was very stiff upper lip. You just sort of suck it up and push through and be strong. And strength was very highly honored and weakness was considered to be, any type of vulnerability was considered was to be weak, weakness, yeah. right? So that was what many of us grew up with. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of my um, spiritual teachers I love has a saying that regarding emotions, that if we don't let something live, like an uncomfortable emotion, maybe grief, sorrow, any of those things. It's never going to die because, you know, nothing that if you don't allow it to live, it's never going to be able to die. Now, if you Mm -hmm. allow it to live, if you're able to express it, then everything has a finite lifespan and it will pass. And I think we all know this on some level. People talk about grief, for example, if you lose Mm -hmm. a loved one, we're encouraged to go through a grief process. And that's something that is culturally acceptable to have a grief process and you go through it mm-hmm. and then you recover. But other types of grief, like for example, losing a relationship, two seconds later, we're back on a dating site where, you know, we jump onto a rebound relationship or it's something. It's that distraction. It's, mm-hmm. it's what, it's what we are taught behaviorally as a child. You're, you know, crying in public. What does your mom do? Hey, you have this piece of candy. Like you had mentioned, it's like, no, don't focus on what is mm-hmm. making you upset just stop because that's what's socially acceptable or that's what's going to be easier in the moment for you, for me, for anybody else. 
you know, it's a generalized uncomfortableness that is not welcomed. Yeah. And discomfort is absolutely not welcomed. And I love that you said that because that is, feels so true to me. Like uh, discomfort and suffering, we don't want it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is human nature. We want things that feel good and we don't want things that don't feel good. Of course, that's a natural human response. But I think unless we're really aware of that tendency, we're constantly going to be mm-hmm. in this world of suffering. And that's a Eastern spiritual understanding. Now, suffering's based on wanting stuff to stick around that is not permanent and wanting stuff to go away that is inevitable, like grief, pain, anger, all of those things. But if we can somehow stay in the middle and just watch both of those sides of ourselves and accept all of it, that's kind of where the wholeness comes in, the all mm-hmm. of it part. The right. all, of, all of me, yeah, the bits that are fun and light and happy and the bits that are not so fun and light and happy. Well, that goes back to what you said earlier with the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sadnesses. 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 Oh. <laughs> like, I've never said that word. <laughs> but if you don't have the sadness to, to offset the joys and, and vice versa, you don't have that that measure of emotion, you know? And all of a sudden, if you had kept the sadnesses, then the 10,000 joys, they would give you joy no matter what, mm-hmm. Right. But if you eliminate the sadness, then all of a sudden, 10,000 joys are no longer going to be giving you the same amount of joy. Now they're scaled. Now this doesn't actually make me feel what what would have made me feel happy. No longer does because I don't have a gauge, you know. So now I'm not getting joy out of the things that would have given me joy, used to give me joy. Well, actually, that's the same thing that happens with addiction, right? And Mm -hmm. so it is a form of addiction. We get a dopamine hit from shopping or dating or all these things that we do to jump over our pain. Mm -hmm. And in the addiction world, we see with everyone knows with drugs like alcohol, cocaine, or whatever it is that we're addicted to, we need more and more of that substance in order to help us get that hit over time. And so I think this pursuit of happiness is like an addiction. It's- we are, yeah, we are addicted to being happy. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, we see other people being happy. We don't see all, all, you know, we don't see their wholeness. So now all of a sudden we take our wholeness and we equate it to that. And now we decide, oh, well, we have to be happy all the time. You know, especially in certain roles. I know as a fitness instructor, as a life coach, as a doctor, I can't be anything but happy for these, like, showing up for these people in these mm-hmm. roles. And I mean, same thing with different roles, you know, um, motherhood or partnership. I have to show up for the other person. I have to show up happy. I, have to, I can't show my vulnerability. If you can see me right now, I'm doing air quotes <laughs> and weakness, you know. Well, I think we think we can't, right? But mm-hmm. um, I actually have found, you know, since I've been more real with people and shared that my life isn't perfect with my patients or friends or whomever, that the connections we form are much deeper, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, as much as we're not showing that our lives are not perfect and sharing that our families are not perfect and that we struggle and suffer too, we're really not, and we're not a real person connecting with another mm-hmm. real person. We're just sort of this fake Instagram identity. And that feels really lonely mm-hmm. and it doesn't lead to deep connection. Um, and I, you know, I was married for 18 years. I've talked about that a lot with someone that I didn't have any deep connection with, which I know sounds crazy, but a lot of you are living this way because we didn't share those things Mm -hmm. at all. We never talked about anything. Sweep it under the rug. (laughs) My sister died in 2011 while I was married. We didn't talk about it. 
And I'm thinking about that now. It sounds so crazy, mm-hmm. but we did not talk about it. We, right. we jumped right over that. His mother died while we were married, too. We didn't talk about that either. I mean, stuff that really was very major life-changing things. We just went on. We went back to work. We just didn't talk. We went back to life as it was before. Right. I'd, I'd actually um, love for you to, to dive into that more because if you can't share it with your your spouse, your partner at the time, it it likely goes back to you weren't processing it yourself. So tell me more about what happened when your sister did die. What was going on just with you? Yeah, so uh, sometimes these just earth-shakingly major life events occur, and at the time they can be too much for us to process. So it's really healthy that our brains give us the ability to have some denial and some of these other defense mechanisms are potentially life-saving, right? Because when something like that happens, it could flatten you and make you completely incapacitated. So a lot of this is healthy to be able to not take all that in at a time, you know, a disaster like a child dies or sister dies, something like that. So my little sister died unexpectedly. This is in 2011. It was a while ago. But I did not process that until two weeks ago. Meg knows about this Mm because she was involved in some of the processing. But uh, some of you might have had the same experience. So, you know, I got the news. I, there was a lot of things that needed to be done because it was a accident. Nothing was planned. And so there's a lot of work to be done. So I went into my hero saving mode and just did all this stuff and got all the organization done Mm -hmm. and did, did a lot of things to numb the pain, which were just busyness and organizing. And then when it was over, I just went right back to work and said, please don't talk to me about it. I don't want to talk about it to my very good friends, even to my husband at the time. Did you, did you say that to yourself as well? I don't think I even processed it enough to even say that to myself. I just went on mm-hmm. forward, put on that face and, okay, I'm going to go back to work and just not really think about this. And whenever it, it creeped into my mind, I would just go shopping or reorganize the house or some mm-hmm. other thing. Distractions, <laughs> right? yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was unprocessed. And so unprocessed grief comes out how? It usually leaks out different ways as some kind of uh, – well, um, unpleasant and also behavior. you're adding trauma onto that too. <laughs> you didn't process the trauma and then you didn't process the grief afterwards. Yeah, it didn't you know? really process anything. Mm-mm. So a lot of listeners have had trauma and grief. I mean, this happened to all of us. We've lost people. We've had trauma and many of us haven't processed it. And then so what's wrong with that? Okay, why not just stuff all your feelings? Because that, mm-hmm. that really sucks sitting in grief. So why not just do that? That seems like a healthy idea sometimes. It does. In retrospect, it's like, why didn't I do this earlier? But in the moment, why is it so hard just to sit with ourselves? Yeah. I don't I don't even have an answer for that. <laughs> uh, well, I think I do. It's because it really hurts. It and hurts. So sitting, sitting in you know, we call sitting in the fire or sitting mm-hmm. in your uncomfortable emotions is uncomfortable. And and you're sort of itching to get up and go do something else. Like, I don't want to sit and process the grief from my sister's death or my divorce or from being raped when I was a teenager or lots of other things that happened to me and have happy, happened to many other people because it hurts. Mm-hmm. But if, if we go back to that idea that, you know, we're the you know, we're changing this idea of what's the 
purpose of life. Okay, were we pursuing happiness or are we pursuing wholeness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we're pursuing wholeness, we've got to let the whole thing in, all of it. All the parts. All the parts. We just don't want to look at in a mirror. Yeah. So, so what's wrong with just stuffing your emotions? Well, for me, because I've done it, I'll tell you, you know, you can you can live that way, but you're cutting off a part of yourself that is part of who you are. And so when I talked about this in the book Sexually Woke in relation to cutting off our sexuality, for example, which is something that many of us do, and that's mm-hmm. another form of grief, I mm-hmm. think, just anytime we cut off part of ourself. We're not living our full aliveness. I've, I've got this like, idea that that's the purpose of life is to live to our fullest potential. So to do that, we've got to sit in some painful stuff too. And guess what? When we do that, it actually passes through because I love the Mm -hmm. idea that emotions are energy in motion. Right, right. And so they don't sit still, they pass through. And so now that I spent an entire 24 hours crying about my sister's death two weeks ago, Am I not still sad that she's gone? Of course, but I don't have that weight anymore that I was mm-hmm. carrying for literally 10 years. Right. Because this happened on the anniversary, 10th anniversary of her death. Just FYI, this, I had a mini meltdown and actually grieved her death 10 years later. But so for 10 years, I have been carrying this weight that's now gone. And, and how I, do you feel? What's the biggest difference that yeah, you feel? I, mean, I feel lighter. I have a different perspective of just happiness and wholeness. I mean, I still miss her. All the things that happened are still true. Um, you Do you yes. have an appreciation for that wholeness of you where you appreciate? Yeah. I, I don't know. That word just keeps coming to my mind. Yes, but. it really is, is an appreciation. Like I, It required some part of me knew I needed to do that, so mm-hmm. I did. And it was just literally sitting for a whole day by myself and crying and looking at old pictures and doing all the things that we need to do to allow those emotions to be present. And then I literally felt that darkness just leave me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to be like, yeah, I can process grief. And that was such an amazing lesson. Like I can mm-hmm. sit in painful emotions and I can still survive. Like I'm not going to die doing this. Mm-hmm. And you won't die. You might feel like it. <laughs> But yes, you can the, survive the feeling this. is yeah. in the emotions. They're they're real, you know. Mm-hmm. But these cases that we make up in our head that will happen if we pause our fast moving, distracted life to actually feel emotions is is not real. Yeah, it's not life threatening. So, we really, what are we recommending here? That you know, so we could jump to something massive like you, you know, you had a family member die or child or just the most had cancer, lost a leg. I mean, the biggest traumas you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could talk about just normal everyday things too. Um, like yeah. in, in our regular intimate relationships, the the little tiny things that we stuff all the time, mm-hmm. right? And that we right. don't talk about. Right, it doesn't about. have to be big things. I mean, there there's definitely some big, everyone experiences big things at some point in life. But what about even processing small, uncomfortable things that mm-hmm. we still just sweep under the rug and don't process and then distract ourselves with something and nothing ever gets better. That's and, right. And knowing it's okay not to be happy all the time, you know, <laughs> as someone who literally lives in like unicorn rainbow, the clouds, that hurts to say, <laughs> you know, where it started to hurt when I first began to, to live this, 
but it's okay not to be happy all the time. You know, give yourself grace. I think that's a third step where, you know, sometimes there's trauma involved and you have to process the trauma, but then you have to process grief on a big scale or a small scale. But then also process the grace after whatever you grieve. You know, how often do you grieve something and then you're mad at yourself afterwards? Oh, I just wasted all this time. I can't believe I did that. How how could I let myself be vulnerable? I wasn't able to show up for somebody else because I was so focused on myself. Let's give ourselves grace and process the grace too. Mm, Yeah. That's, you know, it's all of it, isn't it? It's like the whole, yeah. Can we just walk on that whole self like, Mm -hmm. and not have to be so perfect all the time. Right. It's, It's not all life light and fun and funny. Life is not all light and fun and funny. Mm-mm. And some of it is hard and painful. And it's going to be a lot harder and more painful if we stuff that emotion down and don't let it take life. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, I love that saying, once it takes life, it will pass through you. And I experienced that recently, just literally felt it pass through me and a lightness that I had not had for 10 years. So it's a practice and, you know, so you sit for a couple of minutes and you can't take it and you wiggle and get up and go eat some ice cream or something. And then you'll sit for three minutes and four, and you know, a little bit at a time as much as you can manage, but stuffing it isn't going to help. So the little things in our everyday life are, you know, they could be tiny things. Like when we don't acknowledge that something that someone did hurt our feelings, mm-hmm. Um, right. Something small. Like we just, keep it in and we shove right. it down versus, hey, let's just address it. Let's process it. And then let's move on. Yeah. Know? Wouldn't that be great if we could get to just a <laughs> state in real-time conversation with conscious relationships where you could just say, you know, say you and I were at lunch and this is hypothetical. I don't think this would happen, but maybe Mike says something and I could just say, hey, you know, when you said that, my feelings were hurt because such and such. And then she'd be like, oh, okay. Well, and then that would be fine. And we'd order dessert rather than stuffing it down and being mm-hmm. resentful. And, right. you know, but we're, we're so uncomfortable. I am, I believe most of us are, with just saying in real time when we're experiencing something uncomfortable. And so then it grows into something mm-hmm. and we make mountains out of molehills and it turns into a big giant elephant in the room. And so in our intimate lives, we I see this every day in field of intimate physical relationships and with sexuality in particular, because that's such a field of vulnerability that we mm-hmm. don't want to talk about the stuff that hurts or doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Right. And then years go by and we're disconnected and divorced. And could we change that somehow so we could avoid that pattern? So about patterns and relationships, mm-hmm. right. how do we learn if we don't take the lesson? Exactly. Um, if you're familiar with A Course in Miracles, um, A Course in Miracles preaches and teaches, I guess I should say, um, you will keep learning, like living your lesson over and over again until you learn it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that resonated with me the first time I ever heard it because have you ever gotten like how did I get back here how am I in the same place how am I still Mm. feeling this way or why did this happen again likely it's because you've never well given life to it so it couldn't 
can die, but also you haven't learned your lesson. So you'll keep living it until you do. And I think so if you're in a place where you keep, how did I get back here? Mm -hmm. Well, just take a step deeper. Am I distracting myself? Am I just moving on to the next thing, onto the next thing, thinking, oh, if I avoid painful situations that they'll never catch up to me, they will always catch up to you. You know, I, and similar to you, Dr. Susan, um, in, in 2010, my fiance was killed in Afghanistan Mm. and, um, that was a very traumatic experience for me. The way I found out was very traumatic. It was not the, the typical way you find out. And I, I mean, I was in shock. And I'm, I'm sure you experienced the same emotion when your sister was abruptly killed. And you do go into this immediate, how can I fix this mode? You know, how can I fix this either for other people, my family, myself? How can I fix this? Because I, I, I can't deal with this. Yeah, it can't can't be happening. I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. I think I'm even saying it out loud. I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. I got just an unacceptance of reality. I don't want this. And I would go into trying to do something to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. We get really active and we start managing the world. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. How okay, so what is done is done. How can I control this now? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. that it, you can do it. It manifests in many forms, but it's a distraction, you know, and mm-hmm. for me it was I immediately hopped in well, to be very honest, I I was medicated for months. I couldn't handle the reality of everything, nor did I want to process it. You know, I was on antidepressants and um, I I just didn't want to process anything. And then I hopped into another relationship very quickly because that made me happy. Mm. Keyword happy. It didn't make me whole. It made me happy. And then um, obviously if something is built on sand and sticks, it's not going to work. And so from there, you know, that epically failed. And then I still hadn't processed anything. And then I ended up in another relationship with the guy I actually married, you know, mm, and which yeah. is another um, foundation set on stand, sand and built with sticks. So I, it, it took me, it's, it's been 11 years but it took me nine years to process. And I had this weird experience where um, I, it was actually when I went to New York to train for Soul Cycle. You have to move there for a couple months and train every day. And yes, like I, I mean, I was, I was coming from Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And it was hot. It was summer. And to go to New York and I was working out, you know, a couple times a day with this, this training program. But I mean, I was used to that anyway, but I could not for the life of me stop sweating for nine days. Right. And at the same time, and I'm not a crier because I just push emotions down. I don't process them where at this point hadn't learned how to accept that about myself and and do it. But I cried uncontrollably in public (laughs) for nine days straight 
And at the same time, I was sweating. I'm talking puddles. Mm. Like I, I got off the subway, walked four blocks and had to go change my clothes. Stuff, uh, stuff coming out, right? Oh, it was. This sounds witchy, but one of my teachers said that tears are love coming out of your eyes, which I love. And so the sweat. This well, there was coming, a lot of love. Stuff coming out. Yeah. <laughs> sweat, tears, everything. Oh, it was it was crazy. And I, I did not know what it was, right? And then on, all of a sudden, it just stopped. The day I stopped crying was crazily, and, and I know it sounds a little nutty, but it was the day I stopped sweating. One day I just woke up and it was, it was gone. So what do we get out of doing these exercises, like purging our old life or crying all day and feeling out grief or maybe taking some time between relationships to process what the universe was trying to teach us so that we don't jump into another one and repeat the lesson or whatever it is that is creating patterns that are causing us to be stuck. Um, what we get out of it, I think, is what Meg and I are getting at from our own experiences and working both as coaches and as a doctor. And Meg's a coach with Phoenix 8 Consulting here in Houston. So we, we talk to people all day about these things. And I think she, uh, Meg probably would agree that when we talk to people who are able to do this and are able to process uncomfortable emotions, those are the ones that are really happier, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not happy in the sense that we think of it. They're, they're whole. Whole, right? And I kind of don't like the word happiness anymore. I think it's kind of loaded. It's fleeting. I like content. Like, I'd rather be content than happy. Mm -hmm. Just this, you know, underlying sense of okayness, mm -hmm. no matter what happens. Well, happiness, it can be gone in literally an instant. I mean, mm -hmm. um, someone cuts you off driving, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm no longer happy. But am I still fulfilled in life? Am I still whole? Am I still content? Yes. Yeah. I, I like I like the aspiration to be content personally for myself. I mean, being happy is really fun too. I enjoy that. But also just to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be okay with whatever happens as a, a metaphor that I love to aspire to be in, you know, the world's always moving things around, right? There's stuff happening and things are happening in life, but to be the flagpole, not the flag. And I've experienced mm -hmm. both. Like the flagpole's got this sort of inner stability of being okay no matter what happens. And the flag's like flapping around and one thing right. happens on another. The and flag is happiness. <laughs> <laughs> right. The fight, right. Exactly. So the pursuit of happiness is like the flag. It's whipped <laughs> around all over the place. But the pursuit of wholeness is like the flagpole. Mm -hmm. What's it rooted in? Yeah. And, and it's in your, it's rooted in yourself. And I think even just saying out loud, I, I always like to say things out loud because it just makes it sound more real. But even if, it, if you're not there yet, if, even if you can just say it to yourself, but I'm, I'm okay when I'm not okay. It's mm -hmm. okay not to be okay all the time. And we, we get hit with this highlight reel of just hearing about everybody's else's lives and what we don't have in comparison and, it just, it, it, it knocks us down because we're being compared or we're comparing ourselves, but also it's like, I should, I should be this way. You know, I, I can't, I can't be as happy as this person is appearing to be. If I am feeling this way inside, if I'm dealing with this, the quicker I can get over this, the happier I'll be and the quicker that'll come. But really, it's not about these quick hits. I mean, if you want to go back to the, you know, 
uh, addiction. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not a like it's not a quick hit. Because what happens if you're looking for a quick hit? It's over soon, and then you have to go find yeah, another one. Bigger <laughs> one. That's right. Right. Yeah. This, this is what you're talking about. I love this idea that it shouldn't be this way. When we feel something painful or uncomfortable, or things don't go the way we want, often we have an idea that it shouldn't be this way. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think the wholeness idea is really just allowing that it. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with uncomfortable emotions. And there's nothing wrong when things don't work out the way you want to, because that's part of life. So right. just understanding this is just that, how I'm feeling right now. And suffering is part of life. And that isn't, doesn't mean something's wrong or you did something wrong. It just means that, that, that you're a human being. And if we can, I think until we can accept our whole self, including the wonderful parts and the not so wonderful parts mm-hmm. and the parts that did stupid stuff and the parts that did stuff that we regret and the parts that lost things and grieved things and got angry. And, and that's processing the grace. of it. Yeah. Process the grace for yourself too. Yeah. And I love grace. Grace kind of feels like forgiveness to me too. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of wonderful, juicy things in there. But yeah, it doesn't, life doesn't always feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's not only okay, I, I would just say that's not only okay, but that's amazing because in the allowing things to not always feel good and to be able to sit through that discomfort, then we are able to be whole and walk around being right. a flagpole. Like, being, I, you know, we were talking about unconditional confidence last time. Now, you know, being able to walk around saying, I can, I can live through divorce or death or grief, or I can sit still for two hours and just feel this pain without eating ice cream or potato chips, or maybe mm-hmm. just a little bit, but um, <laughs> not the whole thing, <laughs> right. not sometimes the whole thing. <laughs> you know, and I don't think but, anyone's suggesting that if you go through a major trauma that you just dive right in and just open your heart up because, you know, defense mechanisms, like I said earlier, are really, they do, they're very mm-hmm. kind uh, to allow us to survive these things that feel unsurvivable. So we don't want to take everything all in at once. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes time, but I think we also don't want to just not ever do it. Uh, And maybe it takes nine years or 10 years. Right. I mean, grief is grief. It will be delayed grief. And and you're just delaying the processing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's not going to go away. Your, your feelings, your emotions, um, they're real. They're not going to go away. You're just going to delay them. And you will be able to be whole more if you if you actually process things, yeah. you know. And um, you know, and showing up whole because I've been practicing doing that lately. It's just really fun, and mm-hmm. and that, you know, and we talked about this last time too. When we show up whole and just tell the truth, whatever happens is going to be for you, even mm-hmm. though the outcome might not be what you want right now. And your now. plans changed. Your plans right. can change. But I mean, if you show up in your wholeness and all the messy parts and the tricky parts and the beautiful parts and the whole thing, that's the only way I believe. I mean, I've seen it. I've done it myself lots of times that we can be in genuine, authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of what we're talking about in the context of this podcast. Like, in, in all the stuffing of grief and pain and jumping over the difficult things, we're really preventing ourselves from being genuinely connected mm-hmm. because we're not showing up. Like I no. can't, sh- I can't be in a relationship with you if I don't show up. Right. And, and show up in, in all forms, whether it be happy, content, sad, grieving, even just for yourself. And that's the first thing. And, 
you need to show up as your authentic self. And I know that sounds a little cliche. And actually what I'm about to say is about even more cliche, but it's so true. It rings so true where you have to live your truth, right? Mm -hmm. You have to check in with yourself. So I would say if this might be sounding, if if this resonates with you, just check in with yourself. It's not like you have to go through this whole big long thing. How do I, how do I know if I'm processing my emotions or not? There's no crazy system for it. Let's just start with check in with yourself. How am I feeling before you make any decisions for the day? Because some days, you know, like on that Saturday that you grieved your sister, if you, you could have had the whole day planned with distractions, but if you wake up and say, how am I feeling today? Mm -hmm. You know what? I don't feel great. And I certainly don't feel like distracting myself with 12 hours of not processing this emotion, right? Yeah, the how am I feeling, I think, is such a great question. Um, and, that, you know, people might say, okay, well, that sounds great, but how do I do that? And I, I love the really simple instruction just to check in with yourself. And that that involves sort of dropping out of your mind, thinking into your body where you feel feelings. And mm-hmm. like, how, you know, how am I feeling? Like, what's going on? How's my... Where do I feel this feeling? And to, for me, that requires sitting still. So mm-hmm. when people sometimes say, you know, I, I don't have time for all this coaching and all this work. It sounds way too much. What's one thing? I, what give me one thing I can do? And I will just say, just sit still for five minutes mm-hmm. a day. So Not even. Check in with two yourself. minutes. Start with 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> whatever you, you need. <laughs> but just sit still. Check in with yourself. Wake um, up. And instead mm-hmm. of checking your email, going to Instagram, looking at your calendars, making coffee, sit in your bed for two minutes and just say, how am I feeling today? Mm-hmm. How am I doing? Yeah. I and think, then, you know, if we just did that, if we just did that, mm-hmm. that would be great. And, and you, you might, give yourself grace if you have to change your plans. You might want to extend that over time, but start with whatever you can do. And I, I love this idea that check, check checking in with yourself is the opposite of checking in with the internet or your phone. Mm-hmm. That's checking out right. of yourself. And I don't, I do it as much as anybody. That's it, a distraction. Yeah. That is checking out of yourself. So check in with yourself. And that means you got to sit still. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we sit still, what we feel is uncomfortable, but just sit in whatever Stillness it is. Stillness is hard. Stillness is hard, especially for, mm-hmm. I know for me. But oof, I'm always wanting to do something. But um, yeah. you have to you have to figure out how you feel authentically. What is your truth for the day? What is your truth for that hour? What is your truth for that moment? And you have to live it. And you have to be okay with with um, changing. You know, your plans are going to change depending on how you feel. And you give yourself grace accordingly. You know, and this is this is that cliche thing I was going to say earlier. But um, we've all my yoga friend, Jose, reminded me of this the other day. He said, um, the truth will set you free. And it sounds so overused. And I feel like it's it's on a wooden um, piece of art at Hobby Lobby or something like that. But um, <laughs> you put it over your front door. But, uh, but honestly, your truth will set you free. Your authentic truth will set you free. The second you accept your authentic truth, you will be free. Trust me. The second I accepted, hey, I'm not okay. My body purged for nine days straight. And this tarot card lady was like, I think it's a little strange that 
you cried for nine days straight and your fiance died nine years ago. And I'm like, you know, mind blown. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. I want to feel all the feelings now, you know, but if you don't live your authentic truth, you'll never be freed. Mm. That's really true. And I experienced that too, which is this amazing freedom from Mm -hmm. going through sitting in difficult emotions. So I know we're reaching the end of Meg's time, but uh, this conversation might kind of feel heavy, I guess. But I really want to say that it kind of isn't. I mean, the the whole idea of sitting in uncomfortable emotions isn't about accentuating our pain or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's all about trying to live a life of freedom and wholeness so that we can be ourselves. And Mm -hmm. what a relief it is to be yourself. But you cannot do it if you can't sit in the uncomfortable stuff too, because that is part of who you are. So part of being whole. We want to say we love all of you and we encourage you to do the same. All of you, all the parts, all the parts, not just the parts that look good on Instagram, but mm-hmm. all the parts. All of them. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. But if that's another thing, um, if I could give anybody advice, it's just sit, sit with those hard parts and, and, the more you sit with them, the more you'll learn to love them and you'll process everything and you will just feel so much lighter and, and dreading grief is much worse than there's no end to that. Yeah. There's no end to dreading grief, but processing it there, there is an end to it. That's right. It, it dies. If you let it live, that's Mm -hmm. such good advice. So we're giving you a little challenge, a couple of them, actually. One of them is to try sitting with yourself Check in with yourself every day instead of checking in with your phone just for a couple of minutes. Maybe you'll extend it over time so you can check in with how you're feeling. And it might not always be pleasant, but just sit with it. And then another one that I want to extend is what we were talking about earlier is in your intimate relationships, try checking in with yourself and your partner if you're in a relationship and just telling the truth about how you feel mm-hmm. and, and see how that opens things up. And one thing I might suggest is if that's not well accepted by someone, if someone doesn't want to accept you as you are, you know, maybe it's time to renegotiate that relationship because you deserve to be accepted as you are, all of you, all Mm -hmm. the parts. Mm -hmm. And so we're scared of that, I think. But, you know, if, if you're accepted as you are, then that's somebody who you want to be with. It is scary. All, everything we've talked about today is scary, but we were never not meant to do scary things. So never not meant. I love that. Never not meant. I had to say that the right way. But we we do scary things. Oh, it's a scary. I shouldn't do it. No, it's do scary things. Do scary things. Do scary things because that will set you free. So I'm always so excited to have you here. So I um, love I love every time we get together. um, Thank you. This was really fun. And so if you want to talk more about this or anything at all about life transformation or becoming your best self, you can actually work one on one with Meg and her team uh, at Phoenix 8 Consulting. And that will change your life in ways that you will absolutely love. So how do people find you, Meg? Well, people can find me. um, Probably the easiest way is just Instagram. It's at let's create your fate or let's create your fate.com. Well, go do that because that will make your life better. And until next time, Meg, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great to talk this out. Yeah. Grief and sadness, not always bad. Mm-hmm. can actually make you happy. And out. whole. Happy and whole. Turns happy out. and whole. <laughs>